Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Everybody here dies by dawn. Dead by dawn. Welcome, welcome to the Spook to the Show. show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the next 200 episodes of the All-American Spook Show. We're here with episode 201. We just celebrated the big milestone last week, episode 200, with the Lost Boys from 1987, a bona fide 1980s horror cult classic. If you want to call it cult, I think it kind of has a cult following now for sure, so we can, we can call that cult. But we're we're jumping in the time machine. We're going all the way back to 1931, and we're going to be talking about what I'm pretty sure I didn't double check. I should have. But I'm pretty sure this is the oldest movie that we've talked about outside of when we spoke about uh, the the horror movies that came out in 1922. But that wasn't about one movie. That was about like five or six movies that came out that year. So I'm pretty sure this is the oldest selection. And Donnie, you brought it. So what are we talking about here today? Yeah, this is uh, the classic, the monster classic, uh, Frankenstein. Which is also you know, awesome. Universal. We've only done one other, right? We did the Wolfman. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was actually it is currently the second oldest movie we, we've done. Yeah, sound. this being the oldest. But th- that's the only other like you uni- know classic Universal monster that you know other than like some variations of of that that we've talked about over the years, but this is only the second time that we've gone to this well, which I, I think we need to correct. Like really, we need to do more. We need to talk more yeah. about some of these classic monsters. It's so, kind of, you know, five plus years, five, almost five and a half years into this. We need to get to some of the ones, but may, maybe that's a clue to what's going to happen this summer in some way. Right. Which we are, we are far, far removed from being able to talk about that yeah. on any official level. For some of the stuff that we got planned down the road here, trust me, you might want to pay attention to uh, the the old Universal monsters there, right? So, but yeah, I think sure. I think this is uh, another good pull to get one of, to get one of the classics in here. So uh, before we dive into and throw out some of the usual information, we want to uh, first off we, we we have a bad habit, or I have a bad habit of not reminding people about this, and that is we are a spoiler filled podcast. So. <laughs> And for whatever reason, over the last 95 fucking years, you haven't watched Frankenstein. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil it. So you might want to hit pause here, go find it in the various ways. Honestly, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of horror. And if you're a fan of horror, you probably need to own a copy of, of Frankenstein from 1931 in some format, right? You need to go buy this thing. So we encourage you to do that. But yeah, we're going to spoil it for you. So if for whatever reason you haven't watched it yet and you want to, and once again, I'll speak for myself, I recommend you should. Pause this, go watch it, come back and, and listen to the rest of this. But we also want to remind you to go visit aaspookshow.com. We call that the center of the Spook Show universe. From there, you can listen to our previous 200 plus episodes, all there on the uh, in the archives. And from there, you can also watch all the content from our YouTube channel, where every month we have Hammer Horror in Order, which, you know, if you're listening to this episode, that might interest you a lot because we're going through the classic Hammer uh, Horror and Thriller Library Pretty much in, the, I say pretty much because there was some that we missed. So we're kind of going through and patching some of those holes right now with Hammer Horror and Order Addendum. But we go through in the order in which they were released and we're watching all the old classic Hammer films. So 
if you're listening to this one, that very well could interest you. So go check that out on our YouTube. Uh, also, every month we do Video Vortex where we talk about, you know, just video release, straight to video type release movies. And we do Grindhouse Gutter where the Professor Smoke picks something that would have played back in the old uh, B-movie, a B-movie from, say, the old drive-ins, the old Grindhouse theaters, that type of fare from the 70s and 80s. So lots of cool stuff that, that you know, weekly, every month over on our YouTube channel. And of course, over on our Patreon, we, we encourage you to become a patron. Patreon.com slash A Spook Show. We're there. If you uh, become one, every month you will get a video mini-sode, including the Library of the Professor, where Smoke picks something from his vast library, all kinds of stuff. It can be anything from CEDs to books to comic books to DVDs, movies, you name it, just a little bit of everything. He'll talk about that. And also, Crapster Peace Theater, the, the much-hated on our end, loved on your end monthly series where we put up a poll every month of the four or five shittiest movies we can think of. You guys vote for it. We, we are pressured into watching it and just recently this just this past friday if this is going to pique your interest at all it's available on patreon we uh well i didn't because i didn't have to be there but you guys talked about ghosts can't do it oh jesus yeah so that's that's there it, it lives on patreon.com slash a spook show so you can find all yeah. that stuff over on a com. so without any further buildup we'll go ahead and toss to the whatever trailer we can find from 1931 <laughs> for frankenstein When this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. (laughs) To shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. (laughs) To prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about. The spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. Don't touch that! So there you go. That's that. So I'm going to assume that this is probably one we've all watched, you know, tons of times, right, Don? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 Tiana, I've, um, yeah. You've, you've ventured down the, the Frankenstein alley a few times. Yeah. Isn't there, you know, it's kind of a side topic, but related. Isn't there supposed to be a new park at Universal Studios in Orlando that's going to be like all about the Universal Monsters and stuff? Yeah, she just read my mind. <laughs> there you go. It's cool. Well, Epic Universe is the name of the actual new part, the whole part. But it's, um... Yeah, I think it's Dark Dark Universe. I think that's what it's going to be. Dark Universe, yeah. Which will have, um, the town that Frankenstein's based in and the windmill. 
which is actually supposed to catch fire every once in a while. That's awesome. Yeah. And then they're going to have, they built the were- a werewolf uh, little spinning roller coaster ride. And also, they're going to have Dracula's Castle, which I might just be a restaurant. So it'll probably be kind of similar to. Um, yeah, hopefully, the Monsters the Cafe. Monsters Cafe. Cafe. <laughs> that is the most disappointing thing that I, for the theme parks for me, was seeing the Monsters Cafe in the regular Universal Park get changed over to uh, the Minions Cafe or something like yeah. that, I think, or whatever. But I'm hoping that all of that stuff, I mean, it's not going to be the exact same, but I'm hoping that the stuff that was in the Monsters Cafe makes it over there to Dark Universe in some capacity, in some store or in a restaurant or whatever. That's another thing that we have over on our Patreon. Once again, patreon.com slash Spook Show. Remember, Smoke, right before that Monsters Cafe closed up, you guys went down oh, yeah. there and you did a video inside and walked around and talked about it and stuff. So uh, we encourage yeah. you to become a patron, if nothing else, and find that old uh, episode of Library of the Professor and um, yeah. you know the video mini-sodes and check that one out because that was that was pretty cool looking back on it now, right? That, now it's, it doesn't yeah. even exist. Yeah. And, we recorded that. We didn't know that yeah, it was going to close. <laughs> I mean, it hadn't been announced yet. And then it was, what, a matter of months, right? Like a month or two later, I think it wasn't long after that, that it closed. So, yeah, you go check that out over on Patreon.com slash A Spook Show. But, yeah, that I saw some stuff about that, and that sounds really cool. And it ties into to uh, the movie that we're talking about today, right? Because you said the village, that uh, windmill is going to be catching fire and stuff like that. So, it's really going to be a cool, like, uh, almost interactive type of uh, old classic Universal Horror movie. Yeah, the big ride is going to be just like, um, well, that might be what the the Dracula's Castle is. It might be the big ride, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you guys ever rode um, Harry Potter, that castle ride. It's supposed to be exactly the same way. Or the way the Hogwarts ride. Yeah, Hogwarts. Universal. Like it's like 3D slash stuff, actually, like animatronics and stuff. But it's been rolling out all the monsters. I've been to Disney World down in Orlando a number of times, but I've never been to Universal Studios. So um, I I might have to uh, book a trip at some point when this new stuff opens up. One thing I'm hoping that they have there that if they do it, it'll be the first time since, I mean, I went to Universal when it kind of first opened back in whatever that was. I don't know if it's late 80s, maybe 88, 89 or 90, somewhere in there. They used to have some of the classic monsters walking around, or like there'd be Frankenstein yeah. and there'd be somebody's Dracula. <laughs> they haven't done that since way back then. So I'm hoping that they, I would assume that they're going to have yeah, that again for Dark so. Universe. Yeah, That'll be sure. cool. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to devote like a section of a, new, a whole new land to it, I'm sure yeah. uh, there'd have to be a couple of Dracula's and Frankenstein's walking around, right? You think? And they, and they actually even have a lagoon, which is supposed to become a ride for creature. The creature. Cool. Yeah. So it's actually, yeah, it seems like they're actually investing in it. So this is going to be awesome. Yeah. Hopefully. But anyway, some of the background I've got on this movie. Now, of course, we're not going to be able to pull out some of the information that we normally pull out because it is, this is such an older movie. But there was one alternate title that I found in Hungary. This movie was known as Dr. Frankenstein. So it's a subtle, subtle mm-hmm. difference, but, you know, different title nonetheless. And it premiered November 19th. 1931 it had its i guess its world premiere or its opening premiere in detroit <laughs> which is kind of a weird like usually it's like la new york chicago something right one of the big cities but detroit was where this- you know, think about uh think about that though uh yeah just kind of tuck that away for uh for a little, little bit later okay but it was released wide 
November 21st, so just two days later, there in 1931, and was produced and distributed by Universal Pictures. Uh, rating of past, you know, this was like, Smoke, we did that episode long ago about the history of ratings yeah. or whatever. This would have been, well, this this was pre-code, right? So, I believe, yeah. or around that time where they started doing the Hayes Code, right? Mm-hmm. So, this was just has the rating of past. That means it passed the Hayes yeah. Code, and that was kind of... You either did or you didn't, right? But I did see something in some of my research where this was one of those type of movies where apparently one of the the major tenets of the Hayes Code was movies. This a lot of movies that were made before, say, say in the twenties when they were making silent films, but also when they started the talkies, right? This is one of you're not far removed from synchronized audio, right? Like I think you're only what maybe four years removed from some of the first talkies. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about here, like this movie being, along with Dracula, those two movies being what launched modern horror at the time, what you would consider, you know, well, today we consider modern horror to be more like 70s slashers and then yeah, yeah. further on. It, but I mean, at the time, this would have been modern oh, horror yeah, that was, you know. Yeah, they made Dracula and like, wait a minute, this is some, this is something that can make money. Crank it up. And yeah. that's when they started making Frankenstein and all the other stuff. So yeah, this is, this is what started really started modern horror horror past like you know the classic silent films of nosferatu that type of stuff right but uh, of, they weren't the first the first talkie horror movies no, but no, they no. were probably you know, the popular. first yeah the first most popular big ones right for sure um but what, what i'd seen one of the major tenets of the hayes code was these were like a lot of these movies that were made were kind of you know real racy you know maybe sex violence stuff like that things that were not accepted widely obviously probably still aren't today in a lot of ways but especially back then like the major taboo subjects drug use sex stuff like that prostitution all that kind of stuff and one of them was the themes of a god complex and yeah apparently that was one of the major tenets of it's like yeah you can't have stuff in a movie about somebody playing god so to speak and this yeah was, there, and there's direct reference well you're probably going there you well this was there, one probably. well i was just meant that this was one of those movies that are really like okay yeah we need to tighten tighten shit up because clearly this movie is about a dude with a god complex right i mean he literally has the the uh the quote in there of now i know what it feels like to be god see (laughs) yeah yeah that was cut from the original yeah that was actually something that was inserted back in when you know later on when ratings were like rpg but you know after the hades code or whatever Mm -hmm. so they actually had to cut that part of uh you know when Frankenstein creates the monster first comes to life. And he says, now I know what it's like to be God. Yeah. So this <laughs> was, was one of the major no-nos. Apparently this is like, no, 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 you got to get that. You know, you can't be doing stuff like this. And I think they actually had the, what was the one that directly followed this in the line of Frankenstein? I forgot to pull that out. Was it Bride of Frankenstein? Bride of Frankenstein was next. Yeah. I think that was one of the parts of it that they did not carry on with that movie. Like that, that God complex, that attitude of, of, uh, Henry Frankenstein is that like he can't be playing God necessarily yeah. or at least talking directly about it. He still is, but he's not, he's not making direct reference to it. Right. Yep. It's some pretty wild stuff when you look back on it, you know, 90 something years later, those type of things. Perspective is a thing here. Cause like when these movies came out, people were scared in the theaters, you know, because they hadn't seen this type of fear at the time. I, yeah, I mean, people yeah. look back now and say, well, why, how the hell is this scary? Anybody? This is nothing. It's hokey. It's, you know, it's whatever, but no, these movies, 
you know, it was new and fresh at the time and talkies were fairly new too. So, I mean, the sound aspect, people were just used to hearing can not can, but like you're hearing an orchestra playing music and that was it. That was all they were going to get with mm. sound. But uh, now you can manipulate things, you know, and have, you know, they didn't have necessarily have jump scares yet, but I mean, you know, for the time period, I guess things that were, you, know, you oh, were I hearing can... the monsters they had, in Frankenstein's case, you know, yeah. grunting, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And look, I could totally, like, I'm sitting there watching it through today's lens. I could still think of how you would feel in 1931. This would scare the shit out of you, right? Like, this monster, this monster man, like, remember, like, towards, you know, and we'll get into it when we're talking to, you know, about the movie more, but like, that scene where the, uh, I'm thinking, blanking on her name, the the bride-to-be is just sitting on the bed. Uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Elizabeth is just sitting there and he comes crawling through the window and he's just kind of standing there staring at her, like. You could see 1931. Everybody be like, "Oh my god, he's gonna he's gonna fucking rip her in half." You know, he's, he's, this is horrible. You know, so you could see yep. it, things like that. Yep. A little girl and oh yeah. You know, I mean, even today, that's kind of like, "God damn, this is messed up." You know, but in 1931, oh fuck, you know, I can I can only imagine. <laughs> it's an iconic reveal of the monster when you first see it. That the, the cool the camera cuts, like yeah, that was oh that yeah, was just yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. There's so much, so yeah. much iconic good shit. Uh, it has a total runtime of one hour and 10 minutes. So obviously, you know, movies weren't, you know, fucking epic in scope and three hours long back then. So yeah. hour and 10, <laughs> tell the story and get the fuck out. Right. Like that's, that's just what it was back then. Uh, on IMDb, it's listed as a drama, horror, and sci-fi. This was filmed there in Universal City in Pasadena, California, in various studios and in the areas around Pasadena there from August 24th through October 3rd of 1931 which is crazy by the way it wrapped roughly from what i can tell on october 3rd, 3rd and then premiered on november 19th <laughs> so think think about that turnaround now can you imagine right for at the at the time a budget of $263,000 and from what i can best tell now these are estimates and of course this is upon many re-releases over the years and you know 90 years of accumulation it went on to a worldwide gross of twelve million dollars, which I'm sure probably made way more than that on video sales and everything else. Many, many, many years later, but it's really hard to put a definitive number. I would think on something like this. And Donnie, I can only imagine it adjusted for inflation type numbers on something like this, right? Yeah. So uh, kind of what we're looking at for uh, twelve was it twelve million dollars? Mm-hmm. So that would actually be two hundred and forty million dollars yeah. in today's money. Now, which isn't still as crazy as uh, I think I've seen before. The adjusted for inflation biggest horror movie of all time, I think, is either The Exorcist and or Jaws. Mm-hmm. And if you you know you would the uh, the inflated numbers, it'd be like two and a half billion dollars those movies would have made today. So it's something insane. You know, it's like. Looking at uh, Gone with the Wind or something, because the only mark they had back then was ticket sales. You know, they didn't keep up with the numbers, and all these tickets were like a nickel. You know, so, <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Like that's how much it was. It cost you like three pennies, you know, and a piece of candy or something to go see the movie. You really can't compare, say, today's. You know, it, really, the fairest comparison is ticket sales, right? How many tickets did it sell versus how much were the tickets? So that's where you get yeah. adjusted for inflation type numbers for something that old so i can imagine this thing uh you know it's almost like riding a roller coaster this would have scared audiences everybody would have said oh man you need to go check this out this is crazy you know 
and wherever it would have played. And back then they didn't really have drive-ins and stuff yet, right, Smoke? Like, so you had to have probably gone to a theater to see this. That would have been the second life that they had. Yeah. Which would have been late forties and early fifties. I mean, they were still put, pushing out monster movies in, but yeah, the drive-ins came in. That leads us to hammer, you know, mm-hmm. that whole rebirth fifties of these universal movies getting re-released. is what led to hammer putting their monster movies out and which is where we're at now with hammer for another shameless plug. So. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, um, there was, I, I had nominated, uh, the curse of Frankenstein, yep. which we covered, um, Gosh, I want to say it was it was actually uh, episode 175. Yeah, and it was the third episode of Hammer Horror in Order over on YouTube, if you want to yeah. check that one out. And then the full version of the podcast was, what'd you say, 175? 175. Yeah, so that that's where you can go refer to those. And still to this date, it's the highest rated Hammer film that we have talked about over on oh, the yeah. series. We, we gave that one four and three quarter hammers. So highly recommend you go check out The Curse of Frankenstein. And, and boy, what a different story that one is from this, right? I mean, you still got the, at its core, what the story of Frankenstein yeah. is, but seen through a completely different lens, right? Yeah, I don't think it would have passed the Hayes Code back in the 30s. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because that one, boy, not only does it not avoid the God complex, it leans in, right? <laughs> yeah, with the, and with uh, what would have been considered gratuitous violence for that time period in 1950s. This movie was directed by James Whale. It was written by John L. Balderston, and of course, it's based on the the original novel by Mary Shelley. There's other writing too, because it's got various writing credits. You know, they did you know kind of label things a little differently back then. So it was John L. Balderston. This this movie was based upon his composition from the novel by Mary Shelley, and it was adapted from a play that was written by Peggy Webling years before. So you're getting. I guess it's an amalgamation of all these different versions of things, right? And then this screenplay was written by Garrett Fort and Francis Edward Farrago. Then there were some uncredited uh, contributors, such as uh, Robert Flory and John Russell. And it was produced by Carl Limley Jr. Now, he also did Dracula. I think he did a lot of these old classics, right? Uh, the original monster movies, they were all like Carl Limley productions, right? Yeah, and sometimes direction. The movie stars Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein, Mae Clark as Elizabeth, John Bowles as, I guess, like a friend to the couple, right? Like, I guess it's it's kind of a weird, almost like a love triangle, but they don't really, like, play into it too hard. Clearly, like, old Victor has the hots for Elizabeth, but Elizabeth has eyes for Henry, and she's going to marry him. But they don't really, it's not really like an official, like, fuck you, fuck you love triangle, it's just... He's just kind of yeah. the third wheel, right? <laughs> He's just kind of there. He's a friend. The monster is played by a question mark. Or, as we find out later, that question mark is filled in by Boris Karloff. And the this was the star-making turn for him, right? Like, I, I'm not aware of much that he did before this that would have made him a huge name until this, right? Yeah, and then after this, I mean, his look as Frankenstein's monster is one of the most iconic horror images that there is yeah absolutely i have a feeling there's a whole spook show spotlight uh devoted to boris karloff one of these days right yeah probably i don't think that's a stretch you've got edward van sloan as dr dr waldman you've got frederick kerr as the old cantankerous fuck baron (laughs) baron frankenstein and then you've got dwight fry as fritz now i will say like dwight fry has got to be one of those dudes that's kind of a 
somewhat unheralded standout or hero from a lot to me in a lot of these old yeah. classic Universal movies. Like he's not one of the first names you think of, Dwight Fry, but like he was in a lot of these in different roles and like really memorable roles. You know, like wasn't he Renfield in the original Dracula, right? And then he turns around, turns around and does this. Yep. Now I like that. I see a spotlight not only on Boris Karloff, which you know is well deserved, but also on Dwight Fry, like you said, is also well deserved. But for he's much, much more not in the limelight than as Bella Lugosi or Boris Karloff. Yeah, like he's not the star of the show, but he kind of is the star of the show in a lot of ways, right? Like a great yeah. supporting actor. I mean, there's there's a reason why Alice Cooper had a song called "The Ballad of Dwight Fry." <laughs> yeah, there you go. The name the name he has in this movie is it's is Fritz. Now, where does the the, the the uh, Igor thing come from, or Igor, or whatever. Where, where exactly does the confusion come from <laughs> there? That comes from the son of Frankenstein, which would be the third Frankenstein movie after Brian of Frankenstein comes now, son of Frankenstein. That's I wonder where why you had, get the first Igor character. Now, I wonder why and his then, his hunchback character is more memorable than the Fritz hunchback <laughs> character. I wonder why that is. Like, why does that name? Well, one thing, one reason is because uh, Bella Lugosi plays him. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that that's any, you know, knock on Dwight Fry, but, you know, Bela Lugosi, of course, as we just mentioned, Dwight Fry was sort of an under-the-radar kind of actor who, over time, you see him in these supporting roles, and you're like, damn, he's, he was awesome. But, you know, Bela Lugosi was, of course, in your face already as Dracula, and, and so I think when he co- took over as Igor, and it's funny that you mentioned Igor, that comes Igor. from... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so like, I knew it wasn't going to take us long to mention Young Frankenstein because, like, dude, I got to tell you, like, for as many times as I have seen Frank this movie Frankenstein, and I've seen it a lot, mm-hmm. you could probably double that for the amount of times I've seen Young Frankenstein. <laughs> so, like, I'm sitting there watching this, like, oh yeah, seeing the direct That's comparisons. I mean, like, it really is, you know, obviously, you know, Mel Brooks, you know, is is the mm-hmm. is the man, but like, you can see where he was basically doing almost play by play <laughs> in a lot of ways except turn it up you yep. know turn it up to 11 so to speak and and not you know not to turn this into the young frankenstein episode but <laughs> yeah but i'm glad that he went out over the producer well, i can't remember the exact details of who i assume it was either the distributors producers or whatever didn't want it to be a black and white movie but if it had not been black and white it would not be it just wouldn't have been right agree, yeah yeah young frankenstein Putting on the roots. <laughs> I'm just, well, as I'm watching this, I'm just waiting for him to, to uh, break out and start, you know, trying hard to look like Gary Cook. Man, I love that movie. Like, you know, and, uh, and you know, and we had, didn't we nominate, one of us non- nominated Young Frankenstein when we were trying to. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Well, I'm, no, not, no, I'm sorry, a couple of couple of uh, weeks ago. No, just for last week, for episode 200. Was it not? Yeah, it was for 200 when we, remember, we all nominated a bunch of movies, and we split yeah. the wheel, and it landed on The Lost Boys. That's right. But That's Young right. Frankenstein yeah, was one of them. I think it was Willie. I think it was Willie. It might have uh, been. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Who, it, not, it probably was, but uh, that would have been quite ironic with your choice of Frankenstein, right? That we did. Mm, right. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I'm glad we didn't, yeah. you know, because they're... There's so much alike, but so different that, you know, like, I don't yeah. want, I wouldn't necessarily want one to get in the way of the other, you know? So, like. Well, yeah, watching them back to back, you might confuse some stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, watching them, you know, not back to back, I still have images that pop into my head. I'm like, oh, no, that was Young Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to yell out, Falbrucha. And then a horse way <laughs> off, way off in the background. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. What others? <laughs> yeah, but the Igor, Igor thing, yeah. Well, it's pronounced Igor. Well, they told me Igor. Well, they were wrong then. Now, weren't they? <laughs> I love that one. And his and the hunch on his back keeps changing sides. <laughs> Wasn't that helpful? The other side? Uh, never mind. What are you talk- never mind. What are you talking about? <laughs> so many good. Where are the- There's so many. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we- I, I, like I said, this could easily turn into the young. Oh, it could. Side. Yeah. Trust me, it could. Uh, man, that is definitely one that we need to get to sooner rather than later. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's lots to. Oh, sorry. I'm sure there's lots to pull from for this movie. I mean, I, I don't really want to take like too much of a deep dive here because you know. But is there anything that you guys wanted to point out? You know, before we get into the background. Yeah, I got a couple of things. Uh, so the monsters' makeup design is um, by Makeup Effects uh, creator Jack P. Pierce. So it's under copyright by universal through 2026 yeah so i guess the now copyright that's, now that's is, the the 95 year thing right i believe yeah i believe it yeah that it is right yeah we 2020 yeah 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 because because yeah. that's the whole thing with steamboat willie they just happened steamboat to, willie. right you know mm-hmm. and now it's public domain so i think it's 95 years from when it came out so that that math adds up so yeah that's about right so yeah. that means we could and, see this. Uh, so that means, I guess, that we could see this version of Frankenstein finally in other things other than Universal, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, are, they are very strict about that image. <laughs> There's been plenty oh, of times yeah. that they enacted whatever legal issues they needed to to have well, Boris Karloff removed from certain artwork well, or we whatever. Just ta- we just talked about it in a way with the Curse of Frankenstein, right? They, they had to go out of their way to make it not look like yeah. this, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's also another little nugget. Effects creator uh, Ken uh, Strickfaden, uh, I probably butchered his name, but uh, he made the lab equipment that was used in, you know, uh, in this this film. uh, And it was also the same lab equipment used for uh, The Bride of Frankenstein, another movie called Undersea Kingdom. And uh, when that lab equipment was no longer being used for movies he basically just stored it in his garage well and i know we don't want to turn this into the young frankenstein uh um kind of you know podcast but uh or episode um mel brooks found out about it that you know he still had this lab equipment and he used it for young frankenstein that's crazy uh yeah right and then also so I did mention this. Uh, um, there was Kiss actually used the same lightning machine from you know Frankenstein. You know what? I for their we, we might have talked about that in that episode. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, they used it for their Spirit of '76 tour, but they they dropped it from the tour because it was it was deemed unpredictable and dangerous, which is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I was thinking about when we did the oh. Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, but that sounds familiar, like, that we might have talked about that at some point. Yeah, so, you know, Detroit, Detroit, right, City. Yeah. Ah, okay, nice. Yeah. Full circle. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that's a... Yeah, I wanted to say somebody else used it, too. Some other movie, I think, used it, but I can't remember. I don't think it was Hammer, right? Maybe it was... I mean, I kind of had their own shit with Bray Studios, so I doubt they're tapping into the 
Yeah. The Universal Frankenstein and stuff. Yeah, somebody somebody used it for another Frankenstein horror movie later on, but I don't remember exactly who it was now. Yeah. Also, though, speaking of that equipment, it wasn't part of Mary Shelley's... I don't know if y'all read it. I've, I've read Mary Shelley's novel, Frankenstein. That was uh, from the movie, more so. Like, like, the method of creating a monster wasn't through all this technological, scientific type stuff, or black magic in a way, or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, the movie is the one that brought on the all the uh, laboratory equipment stuff. Yeah, and that's how old that is. That Mary Shelley's original novel, Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus, was released in 1818. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's some old shit. It's almost, that's over 200 years ago that book was written. Yeah, over 100 years ago from when this movie was. Yeah, even that, yeah, which is crazy. And it's a lot different, for sure. I've read that, but it's, good Lord, that was 30 years ago. I was, I was, uh, I was a young kid. Reading that one, but I, I forget even some of the like things. Yeah, it's a great novel, just like Dracula. Both of them great novels, different movies. Although you mentioned that this movie was based on a play as well, that that was the thing going around too, because Dracula was also a play. You know, the play, of course, being based on the novel, but the movie was based on the play more so. And I guess same with Frankenstein. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the you know, and we talked about that in that 1922 episode. A lot of the movies that were made back then, that's what they were. They were you know, yeah. play uh, screen adaptations from plays because, yeah. you know, before yeah. movies and even before silent films, how did you get entertainment? Well, you went to the play, you know, a lot of times. So that's just what was, it was smart on their, on their part back then. Like, well, let's just take this shit we've been performing for years on a stage, you know, and put it on the screen. Right. And if one criticism can be leveled at it and a lot, you know, as far as like negative criticism be leveled at these movies, that is one of the things people have said over you that it is very stagey. I mean, it's yeah, of its time it is. and it was very much, you know, modern for its time, but I mean, but it does come across a little stagey, especially Dracula. There's no music in Dracula except for the opening credits used Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the only music you even hear at all in Dracula. I believe Frankenstein maybe had a few more music cues. But not a whole lot. They were still playing around with that, with like soundtracking movies and stuff. Time for refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream. And of course, sparkling, delicious, ice cold Coca Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. For you listening to the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I hopped on over to audible.com, typed in Frankenstein, and what shock and surprise. There's 392 results on Audible for it, including, uh, I guess it's an Audible exclusive as far as narration on this one. It's Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, narrated by Dan Stevens. That was eight and a half hours long. So if you just want the old, you know, Frankenstein classic. There's multiple versions of that. And we've also got, uh, let's see. I mean, that that's really what's popping up off the top are just the different Mary Shelley versions. We've also got a uh, Frankenstein dramatized by Mary Shelley and Jonathan Barnes narrated by a cat. It's like a whole cast. And that one's a little over five hours long. Yeah. As, as, as you would imagine, various, various versions of the Mary Shelley. There's also Frankenstein City of Night by Dean Koontz. That one's just over eight hours long. So lots and lots, like I said, almost 400 results come back just typing in the word Frankenstein. So if any of that floats your boat, and if you're listening to this, it probably does. Go find any of those books you want. 
You can get one for free and you get to keep it forever by going to audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash bookshow for your free audiobooks. And now I'm going to hop on over to imdb.com and find the plot summaries and see if there's a really long-winded one that can help help explain it to Donnie exactly what he watched here. (laughs) Doctor, we'll do the short one first. Dr. Henry Frankenstein is obsessed with assembling a living being from parts of several exhumed corpses. Then we've got one really long one. This was uh, submitted by Huggo there on IMDb. With the exception of his assistant Fritz, Dr. Henry Frankenstein has isolated himself from his family, friends, and colleagues, including him. Hmm, in, that's weird. Including from his wealthy, okay, including from his wealthy father, <laughs> Baron Frankenstein, his mentor, Dr. Waldman, his best friend, Victor Moritz, and his fiancée, Elizabeth, to who he was supposed to get married imminently. Unknown to them, what Fr- Dr. Frankenstein is doing with Fritz's assistance is work on a secret project. Using different parts from different dead people, he has stitched together a human, the most important component being the brain. Frankenstein's end goal is to show that he can make this stitched together being alive, in essence not reanimating a dead person, but rather making a live human, as this creature was not human to begin with. Frankenstein is able to achieve his dream. Upon learning what Frankenstein has done, his friends, family, and colleagues, especially Dr. Waldman, believe that he is treading in dangerous territory in creating what they believe is a monster, not only because of the nature of the project itself, but because the brain used, one stolen from Waldman's own laboratory, was abnormal, <laughs> and that it belonged to a criminal. I'm just thinking of young Frankenstein again. What happens with the... <laughs> What happens with the live creature may be a function of what he is taught, including how he is treated, than any evil inherent within him because of the brain. What happens may also affect Frankenstein and Elizabeth's marriage. So really, I think that's a good place to start, though, is like, other than the very beginning, and we'll get into that, but like the fact that 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 plot point of how he got the brain was he he tells Fritz to go go steal a brain. And there's two brains that say normal brain. (laughs) An abnormal brain. He picks up the normal brain, then gets like something spooks him, some loud noise, and he drops it and, you know, destroys the brain. So then he just goes and picks up the abnormal brain and, you know, that's what they put in there. And that's a a lot of what happens here. But then I think of young Frankenstein once again, (laughs) and they do the Abbey normal. (laughs) Yeah. What what was it again? Abbey, Abbey something. Yeah. Abnormal. You gave me an abnormal brain. But yeah, that. that said you promised you wouldn't get that. I, I just love that it's as simple as that. It's like there's a normal brain and there's an abnormal brain. Oh, you know, that's where he fucked up. But this movie starts off with that warning. That was pretty good, right? And that probably would have like set the tone in 1931. You're like, oh, shit. that's pretty awesome. What if yeah. I set down the watch here? What is this? You know, like it's literally like, uh, who was it? Was it? I'm blanking on who it was that stood up there and, and did that. But one of the, maybe the director, one of the, it wasn't James Webb. I don't remember who it was, but he stands up there and is like, you know, basically like, yeah, what you're about to see, this is fucked up. <laughs> Fair warning. But it's definitely, it, it, it achieves its effect, right? Like right from the beginning, like once again, you could imagine in 1931, you'd be like, oh damn, you know, what have we done here? I bet you probably, would it be a shock? if some people actually did get up and leave, probably, you know, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Good day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what movies need today. Like this movie's going to suck. You should probably just leave now. Okay. Thanks. You know, <laughs> it did you a favor. 
How about the, you know, because they used to do this a lot in the old movies where you would see like the full credits, not just like one name at a time either, but here's a screen with all the credits. And then let's get into the movie where it says the monster dot, 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 question mark. So it doesn't say who's playing the monster. I guess that's to have that suspension of, uh, not suspension of disbelief. Maybe, I guess, I don't know how to phrase it, but I guess to kind of make you wonder like, fuck, maybe maybe this creature that I'm about to see is a real creature. I don't know. You know, there's no actor playing this. It's just a fucking monster. Meanwhile, Boris Karloff is like, now hold up. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> just wait a damn minute. Here. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he gets his credit at the end, right? They put it at the very, you know, if you noticed it at the, uh, it's something, it says something like a cast so good. It has to be named twice. I think it was the little line that they put on there. And then it's, yeah. then it yeah, says. Kind you know, of an odd thing for back then. I mean. Usually it was at the very beginning, and then or at, at the end, end it would just be the end, and that's it. And yeah. Black. Every once in a while, you, you would get the credits at the end, but it was very rare. You're right, and especially not twice. Yeah, yeah. They, I'm sure, like you said, they, they probably solely did that just so they could have the effect of you know the monster dot 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 question mark. You know, like you said, just just making it like, oh, is it really a monster? Who's yeah. you know, and then at the end, just so they could have Boris Carlos' name in there. They went through the whole cast again. <laughs> it opens up with Henry and Fritz stealing a body. Now it's like a basically they're someone's funeral, right? And they're just kind of lurking. And then as soon as everybody, yeah. you know, they bury the body or whatever, they come up and dig it back up, right? Mm-hmm. And then they come across a uh, a guy that had been hung or something. And then they, I guess they take some of his parts, right? So it's pretty ghoulish, right? The, <laughs> the grave robbing and stuff, right? Like it's, that would definitely be uh, something obviously frown upon now, but even back then, this is like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? You know, right from the beginning, you're seeing dudes gr- robbing graves and everything. That's when they do the the abnormal brain bit right after that. So they're just gathering parts. And then Elizabeth, Victor, and Dr. Waldman, who are, you know, all connected to Henry, they're worried about him. So they go, and then he's like, well, come on up, I'll show you. And then he sh- they witness the monster experiment, right? They see it happen, him reanimating, Anyway, whatever, however you want to describe this experiment, he stitches a person together and through electricity and whatnot, brings them back to life. So they witness this whole thing. And that's where you get the, when it actually comes to life, you get the famous, it's alive, it's alive. I think we even have that as an audio drop at the beginning of the, (laughs) beginning of the episode. I mean, like it's, Um, it's gotta be one of the most famous, not only just horror moments, but just movie moments, right? Yeah, so um, in 2005, AFI did a um, uh, did like a top 100, you know, best movie quotes or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and um, that was number 49. I mean, it's almost um, unbelievable that it's oh, that yeah. low. That it's that low, number 49. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. that's that's just a. Uh, well, I mean, for our you know for our audience, I think this this was uh, top 10 or 15, uh, probably. You know. Well, yeah, this was. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. This is every movie. Yeah, every movie ever made. There, mm-hmm. you know, you could argue it, but like even then, it's like, man, that scene. How many times have you seen that scene played out? It's alive! It's alive! You know, I mean, it's just yeah. such an iconic moment. And then you get the line, "Now I know what it feels like to be God." You know. Yeah. Baron Frankenstein, Henry's dad. Well, that's one kooky fuck, right? <laughs> He's just a weird, <clears throat> cantankerous motherfucker. But he, it's weird too. He's kind of like loved, beloved, and liked in this little town or whatever. But like, he's also kind of an asshole. 
the the dude plays it well. Though. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing too. Like, so I saw some synopsis or you know some explanation of the movie that said this was in a small village or town in the Bavarian Alps or something. Did they did they ever come right out and say exactly where this is supposed to be at? I don't remember if they did. Like directly they, saying they, they like do. we're we're in the we're in the village of Bugisnot in the Bavarian Alps, right? They never come right out and <laughs> say that, right? It's just inferred. I don't remember seeing the name itself. Yeah. Uh, on I mean it could have could have slipped by me too, but I don't remember hearing or seeing the name of the village itself. You yeah, you ha- you just have to infer a lot here. Uh, and to the uh, the guy that's in charge of the town, the burgermeister. <laughs> like, you know, that that's kind of like one of those Bavarian like weird small European small town kind of things, right? They got a burgermeister. Not a not a mayor, not a ch- police chief, not something. It's a burgermeister. Yep. All, and all I can think of is the dude from fucking Rudolph, right? Wasn't it Rudolph that... No. Which one am I thinking of? Santa Claus is coming to town? Isn't that it? The Burgermeister... Burger, <laughs> Meister Burger Burgermeister. Oh. That's... <laughs> Eat... Well. Eat Miser. Eat Miser. No, no, no. I think it's in... No, Santa Claus is the... Burgermeister... Meister Burger Burgermeister or something like that. It's in, it's in one of those Rankin and Bass. I'm almost positive yeah. Santa Claus comes to town. No, I know that other one you're thinking of is the Jack Frost or something, right? With the heat bot. Yeah, the Jack Frost, the heat visor. And that's been this this week's Rankin and Bass Corner. <laughs> Donnie, I know you're a big fan of the works of Rankin mm. and Bass. So. Yeah. Coming soon to YouTube, <laughs> our YouTube channel. <laughs> it's the Rankin and Bass show. <laughs> then you get, you talk about iconic moments. Then you get the monster reveal where it's like, it's just standing in the shadows and then it, it comes forward and, you know, the reveal of its face and everything. Does it make some kind of, not like a full on, it was like a weird, like, Rrr? it was kind of an odd sound that he made somewhere. Yeah. It was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, when was it when, um, he's in the room with Elizabeth and she, she yeah. screams, yeah. he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that almost is like these mock, like he's kind of doing, he's mimicking, you know? Yeah. Boris, Boris Karloff really does nail it here, right? He's just a mindless, mindless, but you almost feel sorry for him. Not almost, you do. You really do feel sorry for the monster throughout this, right? Yeah, because it's kind of like a thing of like, you know, he's he's conscious. He, he didn't ask to be brought this, you know, he yeah. definitely didn't ask to be back looking like a, you know, like what he is, is a corpse made up of a bunch of different pieces of other people's bodies yeah. and abnormal brain. And then, and then Fritz. So you got and then Fritz rolls up, like starts beating him with a whip and just like fucking with him with that torch. It's like, damn, dude, like who who the fuck, who elected you the asshole? You know, like, I guess maybe that's the, that's the point is like Fritz is this kind of lowly assistant and he finally has someone that's kind of lower than him on the totem pole. So he's like, ha ha ha, I'm going to, you know, fuck you. And he's messing with him with the torch. So the monster just fucking hangs his ass. <laughs> Well, fuck you. You just hear a couple of screams, like blood curdling screams, and they run down there, and Fritz is hanging. Like, damn. He didn't just, the monster didn't just manhandle this motherfucker. He purposefully hung him, I guess, with the whip, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't really, like, you know, see exactly. You don't see it happen. You don't know how he did it, but yeah, you kind of infer, like, maybe he just grabbed that whip from him and said, fuck you, and then hung his ass, right? (laughs) I do love when they. They have the fight with him, Dr. Waldman and Henry, and they, they inject him with the poison or whatever the con- concoction they've come up with. 
they kind of tussle with him and then he just faints. <laughs> he just, <laughs> I love that. The monster eventually chokes Dr. Waldman, then he gets free, and then he's kind of free to roam the countryside, and he he befriends this little girl named Maria, and they're throwing flowers into the lake. Like, oh, see, I throw this and it floats. Oh, yeah. And then he runs out of flowers and then looks at her and picks her up and hooks her into the damn lake. <laughs> and she drowns. So that's that's horrible, but like, you know, we talked about it earlier. You could see where audiences back then, you know, there's probably people that just get up and left right then, right? Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee it. It must have been a different cut because I thought he chunked her and then she landed in her own bed. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's Yeah, yeah, you're confusing him again. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of fainting going on because then later on, the monster climbs into the bedroom window of Elizabeth. <laughs> she, he basically, he doesn't really do anything to her, but, you know, other than terrorize her, I guess, to the point where she just, Bleh. she faints. They come in she and what? <laughs> she faints, they fight, they fight her, but he escapes again. Then that's when the dad brings in Maria, you know, the little girl that drowned. He just comes kind of sullenly, sadly walking through the town with her body, brings her to the Burgermeister, which they instantly, of course, form a lynch mob, torches and pitchforks and all. And they, uh, they find him at the wind. There's like the old windmill on the hill. Now, from there to there, the monster gets in a fight with Henry, knocks him out, and carries him to the windmill. So now they've got him cornered in this windmill with, uh, you know, Henry Frankenstein. And essentially, they take the, the torches and start burning the windmill down. But right before it, like, completely engulfs, the monster just hooks Henry. He just hooks him out of the top. And he, I'm thinking, like, oh, fuck, Henry's dead. I don't remember this part, you know, because it's been a while since I watched it. It's like, man, I don't remember him like falling to his death. Wasn't he in the next movie? He gets, he, in midair, he gets caught by one of the blades and then kind of just gently kind of gets put down on the ground. So it doesn't kill him, right? Then the, uh, the mob burns down the windmill and the monster is trapped in there. Now you don't see him die, but you assume, right? He's trapped in there. The whole thing's going up in flames. The monster is dead. And it, it literally ends with like Henry and Elizabeth in the room, kind of like, you know, they survived it and, uh, they closed the door and the the, uh, the Baron is there with like a bunch of girls that brought in a bottle of wine. What did they say? It was like his great grandmother's special wine or some shit. And then they, they, the movie literally ends with a toast from the Baron. The end. Yeah. It's, it's a universal picture is what it said on the bottom before they get with well, a cast so great here. We're going to say it twice. And then they, there you go. So that's the classic Frankenstein from 1931. Lots of iconic moments. You know, the look of this movie, too, is another thing that I want to point out before we get into the ratings and whatnot. Kind of reminds me of some of that uh, older stuff, Smoke, like some of the old silent films, like, what would they call it, like, uh, German ex expression? Expressionism, that, yeah, like, sets, and the designs yeah, of some, things, the lighting, the lighting patterns and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, there's some there, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's probably due to Carl Limley. Yeah, because I believe he came from that background, expressionist type, you know, being influenced by that. It definitely shows up even more so in Bride of Frankenstein. But you really see it in in particular, I noticed like toward the beginning with the cemetery scene. Yeah. At the very beginning. And then uh, a couple of scenes uh, where they've got the monster in that castle or the, you know, the, the building that they they do the experiment at. Just some of the angles yeah. and some of the, the set pieces and everything just really reminded me of some of that older... I, you're not that far removed, yep. from, so it's not like this groundbreaking no. thing. But 
it really has that look of that some some of that old silent film stuff. Yeah, that gets carried over into another burgeoning genre that wasn't quite around at this time, but another maybe ten years would be film noir would come along. That would also use that yeah that contrast level of lighting and of black and white and getting the most out of it and shadows and expressionism and all that. Well, obviously, this is some great stuff. It's a classic. And uh, Donnie, this was your pick, so I guess we'll let you get started with the ratings. What do you? What your? What are your thoughts and what's your final rating? Oh man, this was actually, you know, I guess kind of going back to, you know, me discovering the Universal uh, monster movies. This was actually the very first Universal monster movie I, I had ever watched. So, you know, it it carries you know a sentimental tone with me a little bit. Classic. It's still entertaining, you know, nearly a century later. You know, I, I this is kind of, and, and maybe it's nitpicky. I mean, it's a, it's been almost a hundred years. The dialogue is a little dated and even though it's, you know, only about 70 minute runtime, uh, it, it, it is a bit slow at times. Uh, not a huge deal, just worth mentioning. Does affect my rating a little bit, but still. Um, it's so well done from, you know, you guys just mentioned production design, set design, great effects for the time. Um, I'm going to go four and a quarter. Tiana, what do you say? Oh, it's a universal classic. It always will be. I don't think it's going anywhere soon. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's hung around for 90 something years. I bet, it'll, I bet it'll go away now. Yeah. It, especially with them building that whole new theme park with that section of just universal monsters so i'm glad that it's you know going on for the next generation absolutely uh, i give it a three smoke what do you say uh all right yeah it's a it's as we mentioned iconic a lot of the scenes the images the uh the makeup for uh frankenstein's monster by jack pierce he also mentioned donnie mentioned the ken the strict fadden's uh laboratory equipment i mean that in alone, that in itself is iconic. Like I said, it's been, I can't remember the other movie. I know it's, it's been used in the Kiss movie in concert or whatever, but I'm also another movie that I just can't remember what it was. Now, I wish I'd, I didn't think about that beforehand, uh, at the, the laboratory equipment looking up to see that, but I know it's been used in other movies, other Frankenstein movies. As good as this movie is, and when we mentioned Bride of Frankenstein is even better, which was, uh, you know, not always a mean feat for a sequel to come along and be even better than the original. I mean, it happens from time to time, but not as much back then. The hell, back then there wasn't even really was there even really sequels all that much at this point. In time we're talking about nineteen thirty, so yeah. uh, and it picks up right directly where Frankenstein leaves off with the windmill, and you find out, of course, that the monster is not dead, you know, or and that it, so it just picks up exactly where this movie left off. Yeah, so, I'm gonna go with a four on it. I think it's well deserved. Me, I'm gonna go. I almost want to go a five just because of what this movie is and what it means. Mm. I'm not going to go quite there though. I'm going to go four and three quarters. So I'm going to go as, as close as nice. I can without giving it. And, you know, and that's just some wiggle room for Bride of Frankenstein because I'm well aware of that one as well. But yeah, like I, I'd almost feel bad, you know, me personally, if I, if I rank this any lower, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not yeah. perfect in it. And you know, it's 90 something years old and mm-hmm. you, know, it's, you can't compare it to anything made today, but man, it still looks really good too. You know, I know there's it's remastered and everything like you know copies you see now, but it still holds up look wise. It looks really good. Like Donnie mentioned the uh, the set design and everything, but also the makeup. You know the the effects and everything of the time. 
you know, just top notch, iconic, great stuff. I mean, like I can't, I can't say enough about it. It's, it ain't perfect, but you know, it's, it's honestly, it's probably one of my top 10, top 15 horror movies of all time. It's, it's high up on the list. It's, it's so good. And just knowing that between this one and Dracula and it kind of kickstarted a whole era and, you know, if it weren't for this one, would we have had a lot of what we had afterwards? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, what, who knows? You know, there's some alternate universe mm-hmm. out of there, right? Well, this movie didn't happen, but yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing in different, slightly different ways. You know, it's, it's yeah. a great flick. And, and if you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out. That brings the consensus from us of an even four stars. All the math adds up for an even four stars. So obviously we highly recommend it. Go check it out. You uh, will not be disappointed. Before we close the book on old Frankie, baby. <laughs> Let it roll out, man. All right, so uh, probably not surprising. No cast connections, uh, which, uh, you know, we really haven't done a whole lot of these uh, older movies. We're really talking... You know, uh, this is the oldest, and then there's Wolfman, yeah. and then I think uh, uh, The Curse of Frankenstein, which was 1957. So, no cast connections, but there is a uh, crew connection. Not really a crew, I guess, uh, more uh, writer Mary Shelley, uh, when, you know, we did The Curse of Frankenstein back in um, yeah. uh, episode 175. Yeah, you do have to give the credit to her for all of course. of Frankenstein, yeah. obviously. So. That makes OG. sense. Uh, we don't have an official kill count, but let's talk about the kill reel. I like kill. This one, you know, I didn't really give a, a whole hell of a lot of thought to it. I guess just because of its impact, the iconic moment, the good Lord, they went there thing of it. Uh, when he hucks the little girl Maria into the lake. Yep. And, I mean, that's. It's brutal. I mean, anytime they do anything to kids, right? But especially in the context of this, and it's it's got to be one of the more iconic moments of that story. It's just that, like, he killed a little girl, you know? So, like, it's almost yeah. like for any... It's uh, 1931. Yeah, and it's 1931. <laughs> but it's almost, it's, it's almost like they had that moment to not only show how innocent and simple this creature is, but also, like, by the way, it's still a murderous creature. It's like, if you yeah. do feel sorry for it, well, maybe you don't so much now, because he just... He just threw a little girl into a lake and killed her. So, yeah, I guess I'll... They, they just went to a place that even movies in the 80s wouldn't even really touch much. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. So that leads us to... Gore score. Well, you know, of course we're talking about a movie from 1931, so don't expect the gore score to be anywhere, really. Because uh, they couldn't get away with any of that type of stuff, but there is some, you know, ghoulishness there with the with the robbing in the graveyard and whatnot. I'm not that it's gory per se, but you know the laboratory piecing together the monster again. You're not like seeing these, you know, <laughs> severed, bloody, stumped arms and all this. I mean, you'd have to wait till Flesh Andy Warhol's Flesh for Frankenstein movie or something to to get Frankenstein gore. Right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I'll at least I think you at least have to give it a one, you know, just for for the you know the ghoulishness of it. Uh, you know, the, you know it's, he's basically creating this body from the parts of other bodies. Yeah. So uh, 
Yeah, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a one just for what it does show. But I mean, you know, we're talking about 1931. So, well, there you go. That's I think that's uh, a great pull, Donnie, from you for uh, picking one of the the preeminent horror movies of all time, the classic Frankenstein from 1931. So obviously, we highly recommend you go check it out and watch it over and over again. So we, we need to get to Dracula and some of the other ones. I mean, because the only other one we've done, like we said, was the Wolfman. So we've got a lot yeah. on the list to get to as far as these classic Universal monsters are concerned, but. We won't be doing those yeah. anytime soon because next week we have our next cannon fodder. You know, we're completely at the mercy of a wheel spin here. We don't nominate them. We just put all the Golden Globus cannon productions on a wheel and we spin it and we see what it lands on. And wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, that it landed on Missing in Action 2, the beginning. So we're going to complete the trilogy out of order. So it's ironic, too, as well, right, Smoke? <laughs> That we're doing this out of order because these movies were released out of order, right? Yeah, and we'll get into the whole reason why Missing in Action 2 is called The Beginning. Yeah. You'll find that out in the episode. I mean, you 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 know, if you've been following us all along, you already know because yeah. I think for that in the first Missing in Action episode. But another thing that's just weird is the fact that, I mean, we picked Missing in Action 1, right? I forget how we were doing the canon at the time. Did we pick them? Um, I, we're gonna, I think we were doing wheel spins at that time. Oh, we Maybe, were doing wheel think, spins, so. Yeah, but I think we all nominated one back then. So, like, we yeah. all nominated and then spun it and then whatever it landed on. So, like, we picked it, but yeah, yeah but it was low. Right. Now, but, yeah, but Missing now in Action 3 and Missing in Action 2 with their total, total, uh, loops. I mean, on yeah. this wheel that has tons of movies on it. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot. And, like, a hundred and something movies, right? Like, it's yeah. a ton. It's not mean, still at the beginning of this cannon fodder, really. I mean, we've been doing it for, Almost a year? Is that what it is? Yeah. Or less than a year? <laughs> Cannon for, uh, it's been over a year at this point. Uh, yeah, we, we started with, um, I mean, technically, I guess you could say, and we, we've talked about this on the show, we, we, technically, Cannon Father started with uh, episode number 89 with New Year's Evil. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it didn't officially start as a series until uh, Over the Top with uh, episode 104. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's just like a strange coincidence that we've covered all three Biscuit action movies in a year, yeah. and some odd much time. <laughs> so now that I think of it, it's actually been over two years, or a little around, a little over two years now. If you include eighty nine and ninety three when we did New Year's Evil and Ten to Midnight, so yeah, one hundred four that was two years ago. <laughs> so for two years, yeah, and then and then ironically too, we just did Missing in Action three. I mean, yeah. that, that yeah, was yeah. the latest yeah. cannon fodder, and now we turn right back around and do Missing in Action two. So. And that's where your odds are crazy right there. It's yeah. Because like yeah. all, yeah. all these movies are on the wheel. <laughs> they pick Missing Action 3 and the Missing Action 2. Yeah. Yeah. There are, what? There's like, what, over 100? Easily, yeah. There's probably knocking knocking on 200, if not. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of movie. And the odds that it lands two times in a row on the damn Missing Action series. But mm. So we're going to uh, wrap up the series there, though. You know, there's other Chuck Norris movies, but as far as MIA is concerned, that's it with this one. So we're going to be talking about that next week. And we've got other stuff lined up after that. Obviously, uh, in the rotation, it'll be Smoke's Choice in the next cold corner and onward and upward. So lots of uh, stuff going on as we uh, get into the month of March here. So uh, that's pretty much it for this week. So for Will, Donnie, Tiana, the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are from the All-American Spook Show, and we will talk to you next week for the latest cannon fodder. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car be sure to remove the speaker before you leave if you should accidentally pull a speaker loose
please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.